Okay, very, a very good afternoon. Uh, I would like to thank, for, first of all, I would like to thank all of you who have joined us in this fourth talk of the Built Environment series of JSA's podcasts. I am Dr. Alok Sengupta, Associate Professor in the Jindal School of Art and Architecture, and I will be moderating today's session on street art and the city. Two of my students, Dhruvi Singh and Taha Khan, are also here with me, and they would too would be participating in partially hosting this session. Since the past four months, we have been hosting a series of talks with scholars and practitioners from various fields such as architecture, urban studies, geography, history, crafts, and workshop founders. They have shared their knowledge with us, their stories of working and critically looking at our cities and our buildings and ideas and various ideas of making, materials, and associated crafts. This brings us to a very important question today. Within this constantly changing milieu of our cities and its network of, of various of users, builders, where does um, art figure? What is the importance of art? Specifically today, uh, we want to raise some very important questions around the role of street art and its powers in provoking, communicating, and representing voices and stories and in the making of vibrant and inclusive cities. The public space in our cities is not just made up of buildings, metro stations, roads, and other built forms, but also rather interestingly and very importantly can be transformed by what is painted on top of our buildings as a layer or what is pasted like banners and posters on various walls or what is tagged such as graffitis or what is temporarily installed over the existing brick and concrete city. To discuss the various facets of street art in our cities, we are privileged to have with us two noted speakers who have an illustrious and long-standing career in the creation and making of street art. Julia Ambrogi is the curator and co-founder of Start India Foundation, and Purnima Sukumar is the director and mural artist from Aravani Art Project. I would now request Dhruvi, who would like to, who would be introducing our speakers. Dhruvi, over to you now. Uh, thank you, Professor Sengupta. So I'll be starting with Julia Amroji. Julia Amroji is a contemporary art curator. She has a master's degree in history of contemporary art and management of cultural heritage. She has worked with internationally renowned art museums and artists and has been committed to spreading the culture of public and urban art, especially in Italy and India. In 2007, she curated and initiated the street art festivals in Italy, such as Memory Urbane uh, in Geta and Sanba in Rome. In 2014, she co-founded Start India Foundation, India's first platform for urban and public art. Since then, she has been working in cities like New Delhi, Mumbai, Hyderabad, and Bangalore, curating various public art projects. In 2016, she curated India's first art district in Lodi Colony, Delhi, and went on to curate Makta Art District in Hyderabad and Mahim Art District in Mumbai in 2017. Along with these projects, she has also curated experiential street art exhibitions, such as WIP, the street art show in New Delhi, and Sassoon Dog, Pro Dog Art Project in Mumbai. 
now I'd like to introduce uh, our second speaker, Purnima Sukumar. She hasn't joined us yet, yet but she will be. Uh, Purnima Sukumar is a muralist, community artist, and illustrator. She uses wall painting as community engagement. For the past few years, she has been using her public art projects to enable youth voices, to engage youth in peacemaking, and to create awareness around social issues. She feels privileged to have worked on a variety of social causes and human welfare issues alongside government bodies, schools, corporates, restaurants, and artist residencies, and more. Her recent projects include painting a library with the children of rag pickers, a wall on the streets of Mumbai, streets of Mumbai's red light district with the daughters of sex workers. She visited Nepal where she painted a wall with the children orphaned by the 2015 earthquake. And she continues to create many small scale projects in schools and juvenile facilities for at-risk young boys and girls throughout Bangalore. Speaking is an important part of raising awareness and Purnima is a TEDx speaker and delivers awareness and sensitization seminars to companies throughout India. Thank you to both of you for joining us today, uh, Professor Sengupta. Thank you, Dhruvi. Uh, welcome, Julia, and welcome, Purnima. It's great to have you. Even though uh, you have advanced sentiment form of Diana, so suddenly must see her to also talk um, yeah, so, uh, so again, welcome both of you. I would now invite uh, Julia first to present her talk and discuss um, the aspects of curation and street art in the city. And after that, uh, we will welcome Purnima to present her talk. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. First of all, thank you everyone. And uh, thank you Jiddah University to organize uh, such an interesting, like, uh, I mean, hopefully interesting for you guys um, talk. Um, well, I mean, um, usually, um, my presentations can be very long, so um, perhaps also because I'm Italian, I speak a lot, but I'm going to try and condense it uh, because I really would love to hear as many questions as possible. Um, so I'm going to start like with uh, a very brief presentation of our work. Um, we had a foundation that started uh, in 2014 and we literally started out of passion um and at the very beginning like we were doing literally everything by our own we are five co-founders and uh the reason why we came together is because we thought that art should be uh, in our everyday life uh that's the reason why our tag is like art for all um we really think that art like it's a great tool for the development of a more democratic society and uh, a more aware society and uh, unfortunately art um, especially in, in India is like really in uh, very few galleries even fewer museums and it's considered like to be just for an elite and for a niche so what we wanted to do was like bring art to everyone and uh, bring it like in the outdoors and those outdoors as you know in India are very interesting because the streets are so alive and so many people are working in the streets living in the streets which is also where the polarization between different sectors of society is the more seen and we wanted to use art as a tool to actually reduce this polarization because 
In our projects, no matter where you come from, no matter who you are, you have the same access uh, and the same, uh, yeah, the same access and, and the same possibility of witnessing the same thing. Um, long story, like fast forward, like, I mean, we have been eventually in, in 10 cities, uh, did 21 festivals, six exhibitions. Um, so many artists that I think that this is not even the correct number. But um, aside from the murals, um, we took like, I think, two to three years to really understand how we wanted to operate within the cities and how we wanted to understand the urban fabric of the city and how to respond to that. When we kind of like got a uh, confidence, like because of the first trials that we've done with the first festivals, we understood that those categories that I put it here just like uh, for the sake of um, kind of making it like a little bit more neat, uh, the presentation, uh, are like art districts, experiential exhibitions, landmark projects, installations, type of sculpture, hand-painted type, art in transit, city project, hype court, and in the art fair. Some of them, I won't present them today because otherwise it gets really too long. Um, but uh, moving to the art district, which uh, I think is what um, uh, is really like our constant challenge uh, in every city we go. Uh, as of now, we've done six art districts. Now, each one of them is very different one another from the curation point of view and also where it stands within the geograph geography of the city. Um, I don't know how many of you uh, saw Lodi Art District, but as you may know, Lodi is in Lieutenant's Delhi, so it's a very center, central part of the city. Um, but the reason why we chose it is because Delhi has very few public spaces. Um, mostly you have like Lodi Garden, which is really considered to be a democratic space where everyone goes. Otherwise, a little bit because of the weather condition, a little bit because it's not really a pedestrian friendly city. Um, Delhi mm, doesn't have that many gathering areas. So uh, Lodi Art District was not gated. Uh, most of the colonies in Delhi are gated. Uh, it was very easy to, to reach in such a big city is like in a central position with a metro close by. Very broad roads, not that much traffic and greenery all around. On top of that, beautiful canvases, because we always want big buildings uh, with not that many windows and obstacles from an architectonical point of view. The more obstruction you have, the more it's difficult for an artist to use it as a canvas. So Lodi had like all these uh, sort of aspects which uh, we found to be really interesting. Um, I won't go into the details of every wall, guys. If any image really strikes you, please, um, you can ask me anything later on. But every wall has a very deep meaning, which is very much connected to the location in itself. We always like want the artist to respond to the location because eventually the residents need to be the first one to absorb the artwork and develop a sense of belonging. They eventually are going to be the keeper of our projects. Um, in Lodi, being in Delhi, we invited like half international artists, half local artists, because we really wanted to, this to be a platform for cultural exchange. Uh, and therefore, like the more melting pot was coming in, in terms of languages, styles, um, the, the better it was uh, for the creation of the art district. As you can see from the map now, we have 56 walls. 
is mostly a four-hour four hour walks. Um, most different styles are there. And as you can see, like they are just like big canvases. It's an open-air art museum. Uh, over the years, because we started Loaded in 2016, and we always like believe that the art district is an ongoing process. Um, we can't go in a place do something and then go away. That would rather be beautification. We don't believe in beautification. It's a consequence of what we do. Of course, this wall looks more beautiful after, after a mural, but it's not the reason why we do that. We don't want to beautify. We want to create a space that has a lot of meanings, that has a lot of layers of comprehension, and that opens up imagination. This wall, for instance, with this like, false perspective, does exactly that, opens up like another way of imagining our realities, of imagining our cities, of imagining our public spaces, and also to feel that this is yours as it's mine. And that's the reason why we have to create a future which is based on togetherness rather than individualistic and private necessities. Um, when it comes to, uh, and of course, like, I mean, this gives us a lot of opportunity to also speak about very important um, causes, like this mural, for instance, is like all about like climate change, like walls eventually are speakers for causes that relates all of us and art doesn't have the barrier of language. So everyone can kind of like get into it and understand it. Um, Maktar district, very difficult, different curation. I just give this example to let you understand how you may, of course, there are hundred ways of reading a city, but how we read those cities. Maktar is like an informal neighborhood, uh, was a slum like 50 years ago. Then of course, like the residents kind of like uplifted the, the place and built like, you know, these like sort of maze of buildings. Um, why we chose it? Because Hyderabad is expanding, like, you know, more and more. But there is, like, one spot which is kind of like a very uh, crowded public space in the city, which is the Hussein Sagar Lake. Um, it stands in the middle of the city, very popular, like, for strolling, like, of families, like, youngsters and all of that. But there's, uh, there's nothing that much like other than the lake. And this neighborhood really uh, is entrenched by a lot of like old traditions of Hyderabad, which we thought that had to be rediscovered, as well as the neighborhood in itself and the story of it, which stands in front of such iconic location and is completely neglected, completely neglected. With also lots of problems in terms of management of the buildings or you know like uh, problems without with, within like different communities because it's like predominantly muslim but also christian and hindus are living there so there are like a lot of complexities within it what we've done is basically uh there are no names of the streets in the neighborhood and there are like you know these very very tiny uh, streets and it's a maze so what we've done is that we started color coding the neighborhood first of all and we created a sort of navigation, which is emotional, but also geographical. So eventually the yellow galley was like in a, in a very, very narrow lane with no light at all. And already when we put the yellow, it brightened up like the whole street. Um, the blue chalk is like, you know, this very big square where you don't have any shadow at all. And blue, of course, is like a sort of cooling color. Uh, and so on with the green galley, which is like the first lane where you enter, which of course, like green is like the color of hope. And the artist then painted on top of these background colors. 
over the course of like not even three weeks, people were saying like, let's meet in Yellow Gully, let's meet in Pink Gully. And there was like a complete different sense of navigation and sharing of the common spaces. Uh, we opened the our district with the Minister of Urban Development in 2017. And again, we are still continuing working there. Mahim is completely dedicated to people. Um, Mahim, our district is in Dharavi, um, precisely in Shaunagar. There are, I mean, Dharavi is known as like, you know, the heart of Mumbai, but also as the poor rich slum. What makes it rich are the people in their diversity and in their strength and resilience of really dealing with like quite difficult conditions. So over here, we wanted to celebrate the common man, the everyday man. And uh, how we do it is through the most different artists, which also bring the diversity that characterizes Dharavi with their own styles. Um, you can see again, like there is really like the celebration of whatever job, you know, because uh, that's how we wanted to connect with the people. Uh, those are like two break dancers of like this amazing crew called Slam Gods. After the movie Slam Dog Millionaire, like those bunch of kids in Dharavi said, like we are the gods, we are not the dogs, and they formed this crew and now they are very popular and we always work with them and uh, that was the way of Guido Van Elten, an artist from Australia, to celebrate the context and the local people on such a huge scale. This is Aravania project. Um, I hope that we will have time to speak about this beautiful, unique project called Miwi uh, later on. And um, uh, well, we always work with Purnima and Aravani. Uh, I didn't put in every art district their photos, but basically they are everywhere uh, because we try to invite artists that can really create a profound dialogue with them local narratives and local contexts because what we want is to work along with the communities. Um, this is Kanagir district. Right before the lockdown, we went into this incredible place in Chennai. Uh, is the his house of 94,000 people. is the largest resettlement of uh, people in Asia. Um, majorly, there were like a fisher fox uh, that um, with the tsunami of 2012 got re-displaced here or like people from all over Chennai, from the slums that got, you know, um, yeah, like shut and displaced here. What happened over here is that basically they are very isolated, is really in an outskirt of Chennai. They didn't, they, they lost all their jobs. Imagine 94,000 people, such a huge neighborhood, there was no car, you know? So you don't understand the level of poverty because you see buildings, but actually, it was an incredible, like, you know, um, and marginalized uh, area. What has happened over the course of the years is that how they could leave was a lot of time out of uh, crime, small or big, whatever it is. What happened later on is that on Google, whenever you were putting Kanaginagar, just horrible articles were coming across, which meant also that there was a stigma created on these communities. If you Google now Kanaginagar, you will just see articles about art and about what we've done. What does this mean? That you trigger a completely different sense and a completely different perception and image on the district in itself. Uh, we've done 70 walls. We've done with each artist uh, workshops with the kids in the streets. We had like carts that were going around giving like free workshops and really it was like a month and a half, two months long celebration with all the different set of people of the neighborhood. 
Uh, it's very difficult to measure the impact of what we do. That's the reason why, especially in the art district, we keep on going there because um, it's a long-term vision. It's not something, as I said at the beginning, that uh, is just like meant to give beautiful works. Uh, but it's something that it meant really to rebalance, reestablish like dynamics within the art district. Um, that's how it looks now and lots of work has to be done still. Now experiential exhibition very quickly. I think that I don't know how many minutes I took already. Yeah, I have to go quicker. <laughs> so experiential exhibition, what, um, what it was like, so this one like born out of fun. Uh, I wanted to do something with containers. My partners are crazier than me, thank God. And they were like, okay, let's find containers. And what we found was ICD, uh, which is the Inland Container Depot. It's the largest deep, dry depot in Asia. And it's in Tuklakabad, behind a huge landfill. Uh, so a place where just truckers go. Uh, 3,000 trucks are entering in Tuklakabad every day. No women, no art, very, very, very harsh conditions. But we loved it. We loved it because you have containers which are bringing our goods in the city, one of the busiest spots in the city, no one knew about it. And like just mirroring it, you have a landfill, you know, like, I mean, the end of our goods. Again, a reality which is wanted to be kept aside, while instead inform the fabric of the city, inform our behavior, etc., etc. So what we've done is that we took 150 containers uh, with the help of the government, because all our projects are majorly done with the help of the government that at least gives us permissions to utilize their spaces. Um, and we created a fort. In Tuklagabad, there is a fort. So we wanted to have a sort of architectonic, like, I mean, architectural formation. So you were entering from this small container here, and then there was always like a see-through and see-beyond, uh, as like in the Mongol architecture. So always a sense of discovery and surprise. Those jackets, those yellow and orange jackets are the jackets of work in progress. That was the name of the exhibition. Our cities are always a work in progress. We constantly change things like, you know, and life it's so fast and art a lot of time, you go in a museum or in an exhibition and everything is like stuck on the walls and that's about it. Instead, we wanted to relate art with life in a deeper way. And so uh, half of the containers were painted before the opening of the exhibition. Half of them were happening in a sort of live performance as life is. And uh, to be democratic, we, want, we gave these jackets to everyone that was entering in because everyone was meant to be part of the same experience. A tracker, a kid from the slum nearby, mm, or the American ambassador. Uh, we were all part of the same experience. For two months, uh, we ran uh, many, many projects, like, I mean, workshops, music, talks, um, performances. So it became a public space, temporary. But what, meant, what this meant was really activating an area uh, in a very, very unexpected way and creating a different perception on the spaces that we occupy on a daily basis or also spaces that we don't know about. We've done the same thing in Sassundok in, Sassundok, in Mumbai. Uh, I think that a lot of informations are online, so I think that over here I'm gonna kind of like skip through the images. Uh, just so to say, we always use the materials that are specific to the place we go in. Uh, these are fishnets, which created a huge walk-through installation that's plastic. 
Uh, it was 400, 400 kilos of plastic because you were facing the sea and the sea is so polluted. So we always try again, you know, to have artworks which are inspired by the place, for the place, meant to activate a different awareness. This is Aravani. So like skipping through it, uh, landmark projects, I mean, like we call it landmark because they are like important personalities in like very visible areas of the city. And then installations, like, I mean, these, you will find the video online. Um, the, these are like three lakhs of plastic bottles in Hussein Sagar Lake in Hyderabad. Again, uh, why? Why we are doing this to our environment? Simple message, straightforward, um, all recycled plastic bottles. Um, but that's how public art, we believe, can activate these courses. Uh, these are cutout project um, in Goa. This is like from installation series. Eight cutouts from the airport to Panjim. Um, we work a lot with traditional art painters. So that was a way to actually uh, celebrate the everyday men and person rather than uh, the actors or the actress or the politicians, um, which uh, I mean, the, tra the tradition of the cutouts belong to that sort of field. This Jindal mentioned uh, to end with, um, we work a lot with JSW, um, that is a great supporter of the arts uh, in India, as you know. Um, that was in 2014. We had fun like, like invading Jindal mentioned with like octopus inflatable. And then in 2018, we've done the installation All We Need Is Love by Manisha Rora. Uh, this is like night shelter, like a huge installation with crochet. Uh, this is another installation in Goa. Uh, it talks about time. And as you can see, it's like letter, letter cutouts and with the sun as a, I mean, as like a radial basically project the shadow um, on, the, on the ground. Um, I think that I think I'm done here uh, because, uh, yeah, like we need we need more time to for the questions. So thank you so much, and looking forward to your question. Thank you, Julia. That was a huge repository of work and a lot of interesting uh, images. And I think all of us we already have a lot of questions in our mind looking at these images, and we are very excited to get into the discussion after Puma's presentation. Uh, now, uh, I would invite Purnima uh, to present her uh, talk uh, on Aravani art and their work in community engagement. Welcome, Purnima. Hi, uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, just uh, pardon me if my internet is a little lagging uh, and I've been like shifting from one place to the other. There was no power. I'm going to quickly share my screen. Uh, my name is Purnima and uh, yeah, I'm the founder of Aravani Art Project, but uh, <clears throat> the project belongs to uh, everybody as much as it belongs to me. Um, the project started in 2016 with a very simple motive of bridging the gap between the transgender community and the rest of us. Um, it started because uh, I was curious about uh, why there was a so much gap because I got to I got an opportunity to work with the transgender community for about three and a half years um, shooting a documentary uh, and I got so much insight into their lives I got to know them personally uh, I made so many friends and I realized that there were too many similarities to avoid to ignore and uh, it was 
I mean, there needed to be some way that we could bridge the gap, and it need not be very serious, and it need not be very. Um, I don't know, like uh, it need not be very uh, like with agenda focused. We were not having an agenda that okay, you know, we need to target the trans women. They need to come out. They need to paint. So we did. We did not start with so many rules. We went along with the flow. Like I said, since it was. Uh, <clears throat> not very agenda driven it became easier for us to navigate and research a lot more before the project gained that consistency and uh, <clears throat> before the project gained this momentum that we are all part of right now i'm just going to quickly move uh, definitely the challenges of uh, working with the community are uh, not stated anywhere it's not in a book it's not been done before especially a project like this um, where it was very clear that we wanted the art movement or uh, you know the practices to happen in public in front of everybody uh, because i only felt more and more <clears throat> more and more i learned about the community i realized that uh, you know they are put into these uh, rooms and uh, uh no nos and uh, no talking no touching being scared uh, no re no interaction with the community except for times where people want to do research and suddenly there is somebody doing phd and they're like i need to do something about you know i've, I've chosen transgender uh, as my topic and as my subject and apart from this you don't see any other conversation happening there was no other engagement and i saw a lot of talent and a lot of culture a lot of stories a lot of mythology and so much knowledge that the transgender community have uh, going for an absolute waste uh, and this was something that i think as an artist was not um, i couldn't make peace with it and slowly we started the the project and like how we all start learning art uh, we started this project uh, with using shape my your uh, not uh, we can't hear can the others hear her i can't hear her uh, no no we can't hear suddenly went mute punima are you there yeah we can't hear you uh your voice is coming but now it's very broken could you remove the headphone purima if you already using maybe you can try without the headphone we can't hear you Azad, should she leave and come back? She can do that. Uh, you leave and then come back into the meeting. Maybe that it works sometimes. I don't know why, but it works. So. 
So Punima, your headphone has some issue. Maybe the battery of your Bluetooth is down. So you can remove that and uh, join without headphone. I think she's gone. I don't see her. She will be joining back. Can continue then. Yeah, in the meantime, uh, uh, so we already have a few questions in the chat box. Uh, so maybe we can start with the questions in the chat box and then when Punima joins back, then uh, we continue with our presentation, right? Uh, so uh, the first question is from Ruchi Varma uh, for Julia. So, okay, one minute. I think Punima is back. Just let's see if she. Uh, may I make her the co-host? Yeah. I can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm thinking. Uh, there's a small suggestion. Uh, Poonima is Satna from ITJGU. You uh, yeah. can see that your signal is fluctuating. So kindly, what you can do is you can switch off yeah. whenever your signal is low, so that uh, you know you can have a normal signal, and uh, we can at least. You'll be perfect in the audio at least. Okay, I can stop my video and share my screen, right? If if your uh, you know signal is low. I don't know. It's yeah. raining here and it's like a little bit of a mess in Bangalore yeah. in general. As far as I can, I see it is fine now. But I'll just pause the video. No problem. I don't know. Yeah, you can continue, uh, Purnima. You're perfectly fine. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Um, okay. I'm just gonna go with the flow. So, um, like I said, since this was a, a, a kind of an, uh, what do I say, a movement that has not been done before in India, it was our initial challenges were to, um, definitely, you know, gain the trust from the community, especially because of years and decades of, you know, discrimination and marginalization. It was uh, important that they felt that the project belonged to them as much as it belonged to, I don't know, any other collective, how, how every other collective works. It was difficult in different, uh, at different stages. The first stage was, of course, creating that sort of a trust, the bond, understanding art itself, because um, I think all of us have come from different backgrounds and of privileges, especially because we are, we know, we read, we, we understand, we, we are aware of what is happening around us, but, uh, it was completely from scratch that this needed to start. Uh, no one knows what art was. No one knew what street art was. No one knew what it means to be in a public space without having to do the work that they are assigned to which is, you know, begging or sex work. And I think from the beginning of when Aravani started, uh, I was clear that I wanted people uh, from the marginalized community, but who are even more uh, economically backward within the community to be a part of this uh, collective and uh, to artistically train all of them. This was our first ever project with START and it happened in Bangalore. Um, Although, you know, I don't know if a lot of it has been 
said before but uh, we've got a lot of confidence and uh, probably some sort of a push uh, only because of the opportunities start would give us because every project would be challenging one after the other in terms of the scale in terms of the space in terms of the concept uh, it really allowed us to grow more in in, in within our collective uh, this was in dharavi and uh, i think i don't want to explain every photograph and where it was taken it's better like you guys can also go through it um some of the practices that we even do now now it's been 5 years since saravani art project is running and uh, we are we we now have active teams in bangalore chennai and bombay respectively so wherever we get a project or we get a wall or we get a space to work on we usually connect with the local trans community from that geographical space because it's important for us to understand the politics and the socio cultural stature of that space you know how diverse india is and uh, we all know how uh, there are no there are no two similar things in india always there are different uh, backgrounds to it there are different uh, stories to it there are different uh, beliefs to a lot of things and this is very similar with the trans community as well and it's very important for us as people who are working with the community to understand that these political changes are going to occur in every different you know part of india so uh, as part of our research uh, before any project begins we usually give ourselves a buffer time of hello hello purnima we can hear you I think we have lost her. You continue, Pranav. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I think we are doing like a presentation and questions in between. Uh, so we can maybe adapt uh, adapt to that format right now, uh, given the the problem with uh, reception and all. So a question actually, which uh, Ruchi Varma is asking. Julia is that uh, how do urban stakeholders come together especially the government and uh, an insight into this would be really uh, helpful and uh, but okay i think punima is back so yeah punima can i think julia can answer after that is that okay julia yeah of oh, course sorry. it's just so unruly here and yeah um as i was saying i think it's also now better that you know we uh, i know a lot of them will have questions about how one works with the community and how uh, how we sort of execute and make certain things happen um i don't know how to answer all of them to the point but what what i can tell you is that every community that we decide to work with we need to understand that there is there needs to be a full full circle to it and this in regards to especially 
people with deadlines and people who want to definitely get something out of it because they think that they are helping the community but actually we aren't we are doing it because it is part of our project and we need to get the marks that we supposed to so firstly we need to stop uh, treating this like an agenda if you truly want to make a difference within the community you need to uh, really invest your time you need to invest uh definitely your love and friendship into the community for them to be able to trust you and for you to be able to do some justice towards the development of the you know community uh and it's not as easy as it sounds definitely because uh we all come with certain um agendas and not that aravani art project did not have an agenda i think uh it's just that we took our time to even make the agenda we took a year to understand what the collective is going to be doing we were not in a hurry to uh, just give it a name get it registered uh, you know quickly start an instagram page so that we get likes and people follow us uh, that was not how it went about and uh, it it's important for me to address these things right now because a lot of it is running like that in the world we need to really spend time doing the work before it goes out to everybody else and i think uh yeah you're back again yes it's just going to keep going i don't know where i stopped um we you were talking about doing the work first and then getting into social media and spending time with the work itself hello yeah yeah punima we can hear you punima i think we lost her again her screen is frozen okay yeah we see you you're back no it's frozen again hope i've done my okay oh maybe you can switch off your video then we can hear you yeah is is this fine you guys can hear me yeah we can hear you punima uh, is there you just tell me where it got cut i am here i am here yeah so we you were talking about spending time uh, more time in the work itself with the community and then go thinking about social media i think that is where you were yeah uh, yeah because i think sorry so i wanted to get to that point because uh, we receive all 
five to six emails a day about wanting to volunteer and about wanting to help the community. And uh, uh, what was surprising for me was that how people have not made these things, you know, individually, and they needed a collective like us to sort of come and fall back on. And a lot of people do that. And we encourage people to talk to people from the community, regardless of whether they are part of an art collective or, you know, if you're genuine about helping a community, it, it, it should not stop you. So what is it that is stopping y'all? And, you know, what is the fear that is uh, surrounding y'all? What is the stigma that you still are holding on to is something I want to ask all of you. Uh, moving to uh, one of our really close, uh, you know, like, what do I say? A, a powerful project, according to us, was uh, painting a... Uh, wall in uh, Sonagachi in Ko in Kolkata, which is one of the biggest red light districts in uh, Asia, as we know of, uh, was uh, again a collaboration with SART. And uh, what we ended up doing here and our experience here was something that... Uh, Unima, uh, sorry, uh, are you uh, sharing your screen for this? Sorry to interrupt. Is it not shared? No, it's not. Oh, sorry. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, uh, our work in Sonagachi uh, is something that uh, I'm going to discuss right now. Uh, and it was uh, a more deeper community uh, engagement within this project. Uh, we, of course, got in touch with the trans community in Kolkata and structured the entire project in such a way that uh, the transfer will be the ones executing the project in Sonagachi. We did not know the collaboration with an NGO in Sonagachi was along Darbar and Darbar has been working in Sonagachi from the past 25 years to make sex work legal, You can still hear me? Yes. Okay. So, uh, I think uh, what I wanted to summarize is the whole experience. Um, the of uh, executing in a red light district was not uh, something any anticipated. And since it was in collaboration with Darbar, it made it much more. Okay, I'm really sorry, everyone, for this. Uh, this. This is totally unplanned. We did a check yesterday, but I guess today, because of the rainfall, it is really uh, messing up with our uh, our webinar. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, Julia, would you like to take up that question uh, while we um, 
I'm sorry to do it like this, but no, 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 no worries at all. I mean, like we we know that, uh, yeah, like also the, the, like our technology tools are at times like yeah unpredictable, so it's all fine. Um, so um, okay, um, hmm. I can tell you, Ruchi, uh, our journey. Um, because I think that is like very particular for sure, uh, very uh, lucky, but also made out of a lot of patience, a lot of perseverance. And I really believe that it opened up the, the roads. Now, this like to reply to this question, actually, I'm gonna also throw a bit of the next question of Pallavi because um, in 2014, when we started our work, we painted Gandhi portraits on Delhi police at Potter in ITO. In Europe, something like that would have never ever been even thinkable. Uh, in Europe, as in the US, the story of street art gets really connected with the story of graffiti. They are not the same thing, but we can also say that graffiti somehow led to street art and opened up the roads of street art, though graffiti is always uh, connected and related to vandalism, which meant that in Europe and in the US, street art as well, for the longest time, has been considered as a form of vandalism and has mainly been done by street artists in an illegal way. So was more accepted because it was uh, more understandable than a tag of a graffiti writer, which was really not understandable for, from, from the most of the people, right? Um, but anyhow, was anyhow coming with the weight of vandalism. In India, did, this never happened. There were very, very, very few graffiti artists, very few. We can mention Daku, we can mention Bond from Germany that went to India and started with Daku painting in the streets of Delhi and then moving on to Rajasthan, etc. In Bombay, there was almost no one, right? What I'm trying to get at is that, oh, and at the same time, India has an amazing, amazing history of painting on the walls, being sign painting, being worldly, Madhubani, uh, Gond art, painting on the walls, decorating your walls with colors is something very integral to the DNA of the country. So. When we arrived to the Delhi police at quarter and why we went there, it was simple. Like, I mean, it was the, one of the biggest facades in Delhi and it's so big and so visible since a kilometer far. So I mean, it was just like a, an amazing canvas to paint on. And that would have, of course, created a big buzz around what we were doing. And as a start was very good to do that. So Dali Police at Quarter coming back, like in Europe would have not absolutely been thinkable, opened us, opened up a lot of door for us in, the, in our future, in what was our future. Because of course, when you work with such an important government bodies, you do a good job. Everyone speaks about it. Like, you know, the facade goes on the first pages of all the newspapers. Of course, like, you know, you open up and also you start establishing a sense of trust. I understand completely that the government eventually is responsible and will respond to whatever critique we put on the streets, right? Of course, those critiques are going to come also onto us, but the government majorly. 
So we had to establish a huge sense of trust, which started in Delhi Police Headquarters, continued in Lodi Art District, and it was tough. For Lodi, the first permissions, the five of us were running in all the offices of CPWD, NDMC, MCD, for more than a year and a half. Like, you know, following with the files, waiting in the waiting rooms for even the entire day, all right? And why, when we got them, then DOAC, Delhi Urban Art Commission, stepped into the game and blocked all the permissions for us. We've done two walls, permission blocked for one year, and then we got back at it. A lot of perseverance, therefore. Second, you know, good achievement in Lodi meant that this project started like, you know, expanding is a word of mouth also within the government, you know, like WEFT, which meant that we started to get, gain the trust of the government, right? So wherever we go now, it's really much easier because we have a body of work that, you know, is kind of like strong enough uh, and really appealing because don't forget that the government also, to be frank, you know, like gains a lot of publicity free of cost because we don't ask money to the government in order to be free in our content as much as we can. It's a win-win situation, right? I mean, uh, they uh, appear as like, you know, I mean, they, they are in the, in the platform as urban regenerator, as I said, like, you know, uh, just giving us the permissions. This led to the last thing, which is um, after, you know, five years of our work uh, in India, there has been 100 cities declared as smart cities. Now, in the main missions of a smart city, aside from what is called hard, you know, like hard leg works, which is transportation, Wi-Fi, you know, like water, cleanliness, there is the soft, the soft work, which is done with public art. Now, public art became one of the main, you know, like pointers to make a city smart because you have to make a city valuable to make it smart. Because of the body of our work, uh, which is, I think, at this scale, uh, a little unique in India, now smart cities are calling us. Um, so from being super difficult to get a permission for also one wall and spending a year, now we are, we are called by a lot of smart cities. It took a lot of time, um, but yeah, like we got there. And now we are more and more actually uh, having the honor of collaborating with great, great, young, visionary people from the government, uh, which really wants a change. Not everyone is like that. The bigger cities are much more difficult than the smaller. Uh, Delhi and Bombay are the, are the most difficult, mm, for sure. Uh, you can understand the reason why. I don't have to explain that. Um, but yeah, that's how it's working out. Okay. Uh, thank you, Julia. Uh, that was, um, it's, uh, as we know, like whenever there is something which has to be implemented, there is a lot of complexity which the system uh, poses in front of us. And of course, there is um, the idea of the creative city, and the smart city, this is something which is right now all over uh, in uh, various cities across the world where uh, mural is being located, street art is being uh, located uh, into, in a kind of this, uh, you know, uh, this way of looking at a smart city and a creative city. And certain types of uh, street art 
is something which is uh, people are opening up to it much more than uh, they were doing before. Uh, so it's really good to know about uh, your perseverance in this, right? And okay. uh, how you have, you have worked uh, with the government and uh, now people are opening up cities are also looking at it as a possible way of understanding and defining public spaces. Um, okay, so uh, Purnima is here with us. Uh, I'm, uh, so I will ask her to, if she's, her connection is working, we can uh, go back to her. Presentation. I'm here, but I think my connection is, is it okay? Yeah, we can hear you. You'll have to share the screen back again. Yeah. I am going to avoid talking and I'm just going to share the screen. Um, and I will I will explain the next project because I think the Sonagachi project, uh, like we already discussed, if there's anything specific that you need to ask in terms of how we executed or uh, how uh, we were how the things were on ground, then yes, I can explain it to people who are interested. Um, I think after a week, no, this was after four days of painting the walls, uh, the women who are working, the, the sex workers, uh, were passing by the walls every day, the wall every day, and they noticed that it was trans women and women painting the wall, and they were very, very happy and surprised that uh, women can actually climb scaffolding and do such work. And I think they only uh, mustered up the courage after four days to come and talk to us about what this mural was and why they're do why we're doing it in Sonagachi and um, you know when we explained it to them and they were really happy and they were like why didn't you call us to paint or you know why weren't uh, you know why weren't we informed that something like this was happening because uh, there isn't anything new that happens in that area because people are of course um, going there for some other purpose. Uh, this is how it looks now. Can you hear me? Alok, you're on mute. Punima, we can't hear you. Punima, are you there? I think we have lost her again. Can you hear me now? Yeah. And is my, my screen is still being shared, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is the latest project with, uh, with in terms of the depth of the community engagement that we went. 
um although kannagi nagar of course was a recent one in chennai uh, dharavi was a chapter by itself it was called mevi as julia already mentioned uh, we did a series of workshops with various communities in dharavi not the transgender community but we worked with the women we worked with children and we worked with also like a, a lot of passer by who are uh, a lot of men uh, and these workshops were facilitated and exchanged with the people from the transgender community um what we noticed was that a lot of barriers and a lot of stigma and a lot of pre pre notions about uh, the community was so easily disappearing in front of us uh, and you know it was it's so difficult to document each and everything and 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 of course give a number to this impact but it was extremely heartwarming and this project in particular was literally changed all our lives for a long time now to come uh, our idea of working within the community and with people uh, outside the community we make sure we keep in touch with all of them uh, of course this is our team in bombay we are definitely in touch with them and we do uh, you know nowadays we're doing a lot of whatsapp art classes and things like that we are also upping our market um, and a lot of women don't even have a smartphone to begin with uh, so some of our challenges stop at the very basic you know question itself and people are like uh, why don't you do some online art classes and i'm just answering to them saying that they don't even have a smartphone so how do i even explain what zoom is i don't think they'll even understand uh, but however that does not you know stop us from not teaching them or not you know being ignorant about it we do explain what zoom is and how it can be done very basic we still uh, we always whatever project needs to happen needs to start from scratch always we always go back to the basic and you know start from there because uh, as a collective we are very floating we have a lot of new people coming in uh, new people quitting because that's how a uh, fluid we want to keep the collective as well we have a tight group of uh, permanent members but you know that community the people from the community are always welcome uh, to come and join us and uh, take and learn from us as as much as they want and are also willing to you know uh, take it forward in their own ways sometimes uh, what we do with arwani is not just art it's just a time that we give them for them for themselves it could be time that they want to spend with themselves to understand what they want to do in life after this or do they want to even do something in their life uh, we're not forcing anybody to quit sex work we don't force people to quit begging uh, unima can you hear me yeah can you hear me now yeah not begging yeah yeah um so our duty as a collective uh, which i am very keen about is that we want to always keep our choices for them open they do have a choice of quitting sex work or begging if they want to but they need to also have a safe space where they can express what they really feel like doing and that was 
one of the biggest reasons why we started aravani um, and art was just a, a binding factor in all of this and it gave us an agenda it gave us a goal uh, to move ahead but uh, we are always encouraging uh, the trans women to to do other things that they love to find out what is it that they like to do and find out opportunities for them according to their likes and dislikes and uh, yeah right now everybody is working on uh, painting canvases and practicing rangoli and continuing to do art in some form every day we give them small tasks every day to do at home so that they don't lose touch with this and uh, they don't they don't uh, feel alone in this entire pandemic and they need to know that we're all uh, together in this but uh, yeah i'm so sorry for this um, glitch and i really hope to see uh, have have more questions from all of you uh thank you punima uh, no worries uh, it's this is the uncertain we are living with nowadays so it's okay uh really great presentation and this uh one thing which i would like to um underline you know which is a particular project and uh, if and if somebody ha wants to work with a community a particular community and think about them then it is not just about you know the thing of going in doing something and going so it is about developing those relationships and being with them and uh, and you know like uh, not just it's not just a piece of artwork then anymore but it is much more uh, of uh, of building relationships trust together and uh, so that is something which i find to be very very valuable and it's something that also as when i was doing my uh, phd research and field work in a very community urban community and this is something over a period of one year is something also i experienced you know like in the beginning it was always about you've just come here to do your research and go but uh, i mean yeah. we are not interested in uh, you with your research because it's nothing to do with us and uh, but it's just the point of taking it slow and uh, you know doing many things uh, together and doing things which are not just even part of my research but being there with them over so but anyway I, at the end of it it was um, i it's still something which i am uh, very conscious about right so this is uh, it's great that you know this way of working and going slow and understanding what the community actually wants uh, so yeah great presentation and thank you so much for um, for your reflections and your experiences uh very very helpful for our students also here uh and uh, and yeah sex work is work and it is something which has to be acknowledged and not to be uh, it's not a taboo and uh, it's really um great uh so anyway so now we can um, i think safely uh, open the floor for questions again uh we have already answered one question uh which was for julia and we have many more questions for julia uh, <coughs> if uh, for purnima uh, she have something uh, right now uh, yeah i think we can uh, how do you plan so we are having some questions in the chat box what and uh, we can we were we were planning to answer them so both of you it's it's actually questions for both of you you can uh, take it up and discuss mm. 
so uh, the first one yes we have talked uh, already answered the uh, another one which i find to be quite interesting is uh, one from nian paul so she's actually doing a phd right now in gnu on uh, street art and uh, it's great nian that you are here so she's asking about uh, the involvement of transnational institutions and international artists and how does it help in building the cultural relationships you know at a local level so when they international artists come and they're working together uh, if you could if both of you anyone if you could elaborate on that yeah. um well i mean like how does the involvement uh, have i mean happened uh, is because like see um i mean in Goethe Institute, for instance, or Pro Elvetia have been, I believe, pretty much fundamental for uh, art and culture in general in India. Um, you may know, but like, I mean, Goethe has been substantial in uh, financing projects on dance or on cinema, um, aside from like visuals exhibitions, uh, and so Pro Elvetia. Uh, the point, um, and also like to actually becoming a sort of uh, supporter for startups um, from India in itself. Without Goethe, we um, would not speak right now. Um, uh, but the reason why we knocked on the doors of international institutions at the beginning is because aside from like few cases, we were noticing that they were having their own programming on their own culture in their own centers. Basically, like, I mean, while culture, like, according to us, should be something so, you know, like, so possible to spread wide open, it was, like, spread in, you know, like, within four doors, with, like, a very small circle of people, and it was, like, a sort of meta-culture, because it was just, like, speaking by itself for itself. So we thought, okay, I mean, if we can be such a opener somehow and if we can create a platform why don't ask to different international institutions to support us in order to bring their own artists but in a like you know common conversation so the what has happened is that as as for the government as for the example that i was doing before at the beginning we had just four institutions on board then they became 10 then they became 15 then they became 30 because of course, like, as I said, like you have to earn your trust, right? Um, what happens is that every single mural, for instance, is already done in a way where the artist, of course, is bringing its own background, right? Um, which belongs to, of course, like personal experiences, but a lot on the cultural background. So where did you live? Um, but we always brief the artist with long PDFs, lot of researches, uh, six months in advance, and we start our conversations. So the artist already arrived with, I hope, a good understanding of the place where he or she is working. Uh, then, in as much as we can, we also leave the artist free with a local guide, which is one of our volunteers, to go around the city for two or three days. So already the artist arrives with 
kind, some kind of composition in, in, in his or her brain, right? Which then gets developed by, the, by really feeling the atmosphere on ground. Uh, what that means and what this originates uh, are many things. One, in the mural itself, definitely a lot of time, a confluence, like, you know, and a blending of elements from India, from that particular neighborhood, and also, as I said, from the background of the artist. What it brings on ground, especially in marginalized community, is this sense of exotic, you know, is this sense of, oh my God, like, why are you here? You know, as Purnima was saying, that it's so difficult for like, you know, many people to think that a woman can climb scaffolding. It's so difficult to many people to think that, you know, like, I mean, a person from abroad can go into a Kanagi Nagar rather than a Dharavi and being full dirty in paint. The point is the, is how the perception shifts, you know? I mean, it's literally how your mind can sort of start opening up by seeing something so different, so different, and thinking that if that's so different, there is like a lot of things that I don't know that are different. So this is not just, you know, my little world, I can expand it. What it means for the artists to finish up with, both the international artist that is coming here and the Indian artists, is that they start speaking. I mean, guys, why it's so important to read, why it's so important to study, why it's so important to travel if, one has the means is because you start like you know putting different pieces together and form your own interpretation of the reality that surrounds us and if you hopefully can you also make the best out of it knowledge is important and so cross sharing is fundamental for to to do that and a lot of time yes now we are on zoom but cross sharing in person it's a completely different thing altogether so, yeah, those are the aspects, I guess. Thank you, Julia. Um, we have actually, and now Dhruvi and Taha, both of them have a question to ask. And since they are uh, partially co-hosting this session, I would also give them the opportunity to ask their questions uh, on video. Uh, but just one thing with, before uh, going on to Dhruvi, I, I just wanted to say that Purnima, especially to Purnima, one of my very close uh, friends, uh, was a trans woman, was an activist from Chhattisgarh in Raipur. She was here for a small uh, bit uh, to listen into your presentation, and uh, but oh. I lost her right now. But she was very interested because I told her to please be here, and um, I would have helped her with a little bit of translation because she speaks only in Hindi. But she's been doing real uh -huh. work um, in Chhattisgarh. They have a thing called Mithwa Samiti. And uh, they have been working a lot on the transgender um, community and their uh, and their uh, beautiful. Yeah. So I just wanted to reach out and tell that to you. But anyway, so Dhruvi, uh, yeah, um, the floor is all yours. You can ask the question. Um. So the question is for Purnima. Um. How can we as uh, cis women? Um, be allies mm. to transgender women. How, how can we create that sen sensitization within ourselves and understanding um, to open up for more stories and just understanding? Uh, there needs to be a lot of homework. Uh, one needs to read up a little more about 
the current scenarios and i'm not saying everything needs to be looked at in a sad limelight where they are constantly suffering and of course that's what the media wants us to perceive we need to think a little more beyond that and we need to understand that uh, they've been living for so many years they can't be living in sadness all together there has to be so much more celebration in their lives it's just mm-hmm. that we don't get to know of it because we don't attract that nor do we want to know about it so the news that you want to know will come to you when you attract it in a way because i know how much fun they all have and I, that's that's the only side i see and suddenly for me for somebody to say uh it only hits me when somebody who doesn't really know anything about the community asks a question i realize that that they oh they don't know the difference oh they are actually treating them differently because till then it just doesn't register in my head okay so unless and until i come on such places where i have to talk about the communities when i realize that they are different or i don't know they are not it's so normal for me that it's so hard to sensitize people i get angry so it's better the trans women themselves you know to sensitize yeah. i usually uh, don't to this aspect of uh, being uh, they are a spokesperson nor do i represent the community uh, i'm no one to do that so yeah. i always any question that related to the community and um especially if it is about their story i think i i mean they need to own it so they are always the front face of all of this okay. today i'm only representing the art and that all right um i had one more question can i ask it <laughs> yeah, okay so um alupan had sent me your page like a month ago and said check it out like you like it and i really did and uh, i noticed that like the way you guys make faces is very similar like there's a certain uh, like there's a connection through all of them so is that intentional like where did that kind of aesthetic come in from or of just that you know that play of light and shadow we can come back to it we can <laughs> hello okay should i repeat okay. the question yes yes one okay uh, so uh, i noticed through your instagram page how a lot of the faces that you guys make are very similar in their aesthetic and also just the form you use in the way you use your light and shadow so where did that come in from was that an intentional choice or did it just develop over the years uh so interestingly um when once we started uh, with shape um I, i it was just actually a day or two uh, that i decided that uh, these shapes need to take a form and in fact the first time uh, somebody openly discussed that with me is in fact julia 
and she's i mean so then it sort of became more clearer i mean we were clear about the fact that we wanted to do portraits and we wanted to uh, paint big faces of trans people in public because that's what everybody else was running away from sort of um in terms of uh, putting these shapes and faces and these contours together in terms of its form is a very conscious decision that we took because it was easier for us to execute it with people who don't know art who have not painted a wall before or who are who might find it very intimidating to do something that is very realistic or very artistic and then it we had to uh, we were very mindful about that yet we did not want to jeopardize the way the output was uh you know perceived just because it's painted by i don't know according to us marginalized people it's not at all true that the painting should look shabby or in a particular way uh, they are all extremely skilled and just required one years of practice and i studied for 5 years it seems a waste okay thank you punima um taha you had a question i believe yeah um so i had a question to jula and uh, basically my question is that often times when you enter a space we have these buildings that are blank and you move in and there is a certain sense of art that you leave there and that often uh, you know encourages and uh, you know creates an artistic space so how do you deal with when people leave tags on your artwork you know around a particular space see like i mean uh, first of all mm, it happens very 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 rarely uh, it happens much more than political posters are are you know like kind of put on the walls which a lot of time happens in the night so also the person that is like actually pasting up like doesn't even understand that there is a mural behind in a lot of cases uh, by the way when residents especially of lodi are seeing you know like uh, people tagging or pasting up they are like the first ones they are like going to them and saying like how dare you and all of that so they become really you know like a fish uh, yeah like i mean very um very much like the keeper of uh, you know our projects and they feel responsible for it they start feeling responsible for the public spaces in general as i was saying like yeah like i mean tagging like in lodi it happened on few walls but generally very very limited uh however street art is also ephemeral street art is a process is not you know like i mean um we also restore some some of our walls because eventually in the art district like you know it, it becomes like a sort of public property right so we try to maintain it and upkeep it as much as we can but then you know when a piece of plaster comes when a layer of time, you know like gets superimposed if something happens that the wall get gets paint over because for instance in makta like a person get, get you know got bored and wanted a fresh paint and it had some money in the pocket like it's fine you know i mean they don't have to live forever they live forever in the photographs 
um, they live a lot on uh, on the web. Street art is it became so popular because it's on the streets, but it's on the web, you know. And perhaps like many more people have seen our work on Instagram rather than you know rather than on the streets. Um, so like you know there is another form of art called body art right it's just performances what it stays is the video is the photos and the experience and the process that what's come the most um i belong to a graffiti writer like past and it it was very normal to buff like you know like one over the other which is not the nicest way of doing it and therefore we don't uh, encourage at all because you have to respect some someone artist's works but as i said street art is also ephemeral so if someone feels to write something it better be good but it's okay if even if it's not free expression thank you you're welcome yeah i think that is the uh, the beauty both the beauty and the challenge of taking art out of the museum so post museum art right so it's not anymore enclosed it is open it is free for everybody to look at and have discussions and enjoy but at the same time it is a public property at the end of the day so uh, i mean the the nature of the city itself as something which is constantly changing i think is mirrored onto this uh, this artwork right and it is something which will continue and i think this is how um, i think street artists they know that this is something which is going to happen so uh, it's not frozen in time it is not framed and put inside a gallery inside a museum or an art exhibition it is constantly interacting and that is the beauty and that is also it's the dichotomy with which i think uh, street art works correct yeah <laughs> yeah so uh one question is uh, there i would like to also um for both of you actually uh vishnu hari kumar he is actually one of our new students who is joining us uh so he is asking about the coordination of artists then and the, the the planning and the execution of the painting when the canvases are so huge so what are the challenges for them so like how you know in terms of both the logistical challenges and when you work on such huge canvases so what are the challenges how do you plan to paint them so if you could tell us something about it i know you have a lot to say about this <laughs> who do you want to start anyone both of you purnima can go <laughs> yeah i'll start anyway it will stop then you can continue <laughs> <laughs> okay give me the lead <laughs> uh so in terms of uh, um you know executing a bigger space i think as uh, visual artists and as uh, it of course definitely comes stems from practice i would say because i am not at all a professional wall painter as such and i don't know if i'm still fully equipped to do a lot of things but uh, um i think i've always had the capacity to uh, uh, compose a certain picture in my head to uh, any surface it could be a canvas it could be a wall uh, it could be i don't know vertical horizontal it didn't matter um so i think it's important for the person who's directing this project so in a collective as ours everybody will have a say and there will be a, there will be a lot of people involved so it was just my art director actor sadhna and i'm highly dependent on her and she is on me so we both have a partnership in terms of 
how our uh, you know end product would look and how the design process will be and uh, how the research should happen uh, everything is definitely discussed uh, in again for us the stakeholders are the stories are taken from the trans people so every portion of our design is shared with the person who we are collaborating with or with a certain community uh, from whatever transgender community from a certain geographical space um, and then once the design is done for us you it used to be we used to sketch on the wall but we don't have the time for that anymore we used to not have the time uh, so we usually project this uh, design that we have already executed on our laptop onto the wall and sketch the whole design on the wall and then have everybody to come and paint it so that's what makes it even more inclusive so we have already drawn the outline we have a special artists and lead artists within the trans community in our team who will lead these projects who will lead these portions of the wall and then we have kids and aunties and uncles and anybody coming and also painting so usually our wall has minimum of 40 people around it <laughs> And it's usually very, very chaotic, but uh, that's what we love about it. It is, I can confirm, but uh, no, but that's, that's what makes the process, right? Uh, that's the reason why, even though perhaps like a wall of Aravani is not any longer there, what counted the most are like the memories of the people who made it, the people who saw it. Um, like memories like really stay for the longest time eventually I mean it's who we are so and uh, their walls are you know like the the funniest to to be around and to witness ever um, always with music is beautiful uh, well I mean for us is for us like it so our biggest projects um, let's say when we do 17 walls plus like you know i don't know like um in the weekend like three collaterals every weekend over the span of two months um it's a huge machine that gets mobilized right because it's not just one wall it's like many of them um point being is that you just need like a lot of uh, i mean as much as you can um uh, preparation backwards in the sense that um more or less like you know the artists arrived that everything is uh, under control they have their own lift machine they have their own volunteers they have their own paints um the sketch is almost 80 percent um, um and we have like an amazing team like i mean it's a teamwork eventually it doesn't really create a big difference at that point i worked in museums uh, huge walls, small walls doesn't change that much because what changes are just the infrastructures and the number of people that you need, you know, um, mostly that's, that's it. Uh, but for whatever, um, you know, consistent art event, you, you need planning, lots of planning. Okay, um, thank you, uh, both of you. So I have a question. Um, so I was thinking of asking a question myself and it's a bit controversial, uh, but don't mind. I guess we are all, uh, we, are the, we are all comfortable and we are talking about street art and many other things. Where does graffiti figure in our cities? And uh, what is the, um, I mean, 
do we have, I mean, how do we uh, deal with graffiti in our cities? What has been your experiences uh, with, in terms of proper... Hi. Hi. Hello. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is what happens in Zoom, so it's okay. You know? Yeah, so um, in terms of graffitis, I mean, if you would like to talk a little bit about that, because some of our students are actually very much interested in graffitis and they have been talking to us about graffitis. So uh, where do they figure in our cities? You know, like in the beginning, you said that in the European cities, uh, it's very, very graffiti centric. A lot of graffitis, we see that. In our cities, we don't see that too much. Or is it something like that? Or, I mean, what is the complexity of the situation? Who do you want to answer? Anyone? You want me to answer? Okay. <laughs> I think I think it's uh, more relevant for you because it's many many cities. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, because you don't go in many cities. Uh, well, no, guys. Like I mean, it's um, it's something that I still have to fully understand myself. To be honest, um, I think that um, is a mix of things. <laughs> Mm. Hi, Raul. Who's <laughs> Raul? <laughs> um, so, like, I think it's a mix of things in the sense that um, uh, <laughs> uh, in the sense that see, in okay, let's talk about, like, places um, where a can, a spray can, is as expensive as in India, alright? There are very few. In India, a spray can is super expensive. Um, yeah. and also is not widely sold in South America, for instance, like, you know, I mean, there, there have been, there has been like, a um, more connected, let's say history because of the, of the close by America, you know, so it was very easy. And, and in America, like it was very easy to go in whatever shop and steal a spray can. Okay. To be very frank. Like, I mean, this is like how a lot of graffiti writers, um, which are, uh, which are very, um, you know, like, which were very poor, like belonging to outskirts started, you know, I mean, they were poor. They wanted to say, you know, that I'm here, you better look at me. That's the reason why they were painting on the metro because the metro was moving from the outskirts to the center. You can't ignore me anymore, right? Point being is that they had an access also just to get a spray can. In India, like years ago, it was difficult for us to get a spray can for our festivals. There was just like one company that was selling okay spray cans aside from the one that you can take in a hardware shop but i mean they're horrible you know they you, you can really do very little with it um however hello I hello that, i also think that um, uh, it's a it it is like a platform you know like i mean the point is that if you don't give a platform to people um it's much more difficult to feel part of a community right so if you have just one graffiti writer, right, in Delhi and one in Bombay, what is the platform? What are you doing? How do you engage? I think that now there are more graffiti artists because slowly, perhaps like with us, perhaps like, you know, with Anaravani, perhaps like with Bangalore Art Project, there have been multiple platforms for street art, which meant also that 
the graffiti writers like start to feel that okay i mean you know there is this expression i can do it i can connect uh, and and understand that i want to be part of that crew street art graffiti has always been something that has been done together there were not one graffiti writer there were a crew the crew was you know like in that neighborhood and there was the neighborhood crew that was going into the other neighborhood but they were together there was always a huge spirit of collaboration no platform no togetherness no collaboration no graffiti like as i i would sum it up like that now uh, there are more and more crews and more and more graffiti writers i would say especially in bombay uh delhi goes I, I think next, and then it goes Chennai. We were very surprised about Chennai. Uh, great graffiti artists, uh, and then perhaps Bangalore and so on and so forth. Um, so more and more are coming up, um, and they are also doing like quite quite cool things. Perhaps they are like a little less um, um, fearless uh, than what we remember uh, in the seventies, uh, but. I think that our generation is like a little bit milder than in the 70s. It's a generational problem. <laughs> Thank you, Julia. Uh, yeah, that, this is actually a very valid point about uh, what you talked about, the access to spray cans, you know, like if you think about graffitis and the origination, the original origination of graffitis and spray cans. Especially also, I, I mean, when you were talking about this, I was remembering the uh, the last project of uh, Bhajusham, right? When we were working with those uh, stencils and we were using the spray cans, a lot of spray, spray cans were used and they're very, very expensive. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that is a very, very valid point in terms of using spray cans and the graffiti and how graffiti is being done. So great, uh, I think uh, we are almost at the end of our talk. Uh, and if anybody else would like to ask other questions, uh, this would be um, the opportune moment. If anybody has other questions to ask. Uh, we have one question. Okay, it's more of a com comment. Uh, Vinay Kumar is saying it's a wonderful session and very informative and great exposure of artworks. Um, best part of your artwork and discussion that is evolved around the humanism and socialization. Okay, great. So I guess we are now towards the end of the session. Um, Julia, Poonima, if you would like to add some other comments or you want to talk about something very special or close to your heart with regards to this you know your projects that you have done uh, you can also do that now and then we close go on to closing if there's something you would like to talk about more i mean like from my side i would just like to thank you everyone uh for being here because i mean it's been a long session and uh, also um i mean i think that the reason why we've been able to do what we do is like because india is in a huge moment of transition um, art and culture are going uh, back into, uh, you know, a, a sort of important position within the fabric of society um, and is a very good moment, guys, to be 
brave, courageous, and uh, to follow your dream with uh, some, of course, uh, I mean, rationality, uh, <laughs> that's obvious, and with some preparation, but point being is that, um, uh, um, I mean, I don't want to sound like Steve Jobs, but um, like, be wild, I mean, because uh, it's possible also in, in the field of art and culture, which for a lot of reasons have been considered always like, you know, for a niche, for, you know, and for very limited people. And instead it's not like that. And you can make a big difference with what you're studying for everyone. That's fine. Great. Um, Punima, are you there? I think we lost her again. Okay, so we wanted to say thank you with her around. I don't know if she will be, she'll be joining. Um, okay, great. So, um, okay, so now I'll invite Saha. Uh, he's going to give the thank you speech and then we close the session from there. Okay, um, so we are extremely grateful to Julia and Poonima for the time and for sharing uh, the, and grateful for uh, the experiences that they've shared. And I'm sure uh, we at JSA have learned a lot from the importance of street as a street art in political and both in aesthetic senses. We would also like to thank Professor Alokpana Sen Gupta for the engaging conversation. And today's podcast was the fourth in a series of open discussions centered around urban issues being hosted by the BA Built Environment Studies program at uh, Jindal School of Art and Architecture. Many thanks to Mr. Azad Ali for the technical support in organizing the webinar. And the next webinar uh, in, the series, in this series will be with uh, Joginda Singh and Professor Zaimal Bani on images. Thank you.